burying Devin Bush makes no sense. You want to do that? Go nuts. You'll do it without me. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. The Steelers will begin minicamp tomorrow. And for those who don't know the difference between minicamp and OTAs, it's really simple. You got to show up for minicamp. Otherwise, to the naked eye, it doesn't really look all that different. The uniforms will be the same. The drills will be about the same. There's a slight adjustment to the time of day that it runs. It goes more toward the afternoon as opposed to the morning. But otherwise, it's just another three days of stuff for which you've got to show up. And given the attendance the Steelers have already had at OTAs, it's going to be virtually no difference at all. There will also be almost no way to gauge performance of any kind. You'll see here, read about the occasional pass downfield to so-and-so who reached up over another guy to make a catch because that's what you get out of 7-on-7 or even 11-on-11 no-touch drills. But you're not going to hear a single word, for example, about how Devin Bush is doing. And there might not be a more pivotal swing vote on that defense than number 55. Because he could be that player that he was supposed to be when the Steelers traded up to number 10 overall to draft him. And, for that matter, the player that he was for the most part as a rookie. Or he could be that player that we saw coming back from the ACL. Who was both ineffective and maybe more alarming. At times looked like he just wasn't all there. How much of one leads into the other, I don't know. I'm not his personal psychiatrist. But I do know this. Burying Bush, or even lowering the bar for his expectations, would be a big, big mistake on the Steelers' part, and it's one that they absolutely won't make. For one thing, ACL surgeries aren't insurmountable. He did come back and play in the National Football League. A full season, Bush did. And while he didn't play anywhere near the level he should have, he did play. He was out there. He was taking snaps. He didn't crumble. He didn't fall apart. And with the additional year of healing, recovery, uh, re-strengthening the area around the knee, and just the confidence that comes with being able to push off it without wondering or worrying whether this is going to be the time that it goes out again. It's easy to envision that he's going to be a better player in 2022. But that's that's not it. That's not where this discussion, this dialogue is going to go internally And I dare say it's not where it should go externally. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how 
you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. This is a little bit of what Bush had to say to us late last week at OTAs regarding his own view of the coming season and his own expectations of his performance. I don't think I got nothing to prove for real because, I mean, I'm a first-rounder. I'm a top-ten pick, and that's never going to change. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think I got to prove anything to anybody. I think more so I just got to go out there and play football. And I think my mentality for real is going out there and, and, and being a football player again. Good for him. I mean, that's the right reaction. That's the right approach, the right attitude. But it's got to be backed up. And part of that is recognizing and really embracing where it is that you're supposed to be. So I'm going to give that a shot here. This is a defense that has T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, and Minka Fitzpatrick on it. And that alone, if you put those three guys on the field with eight pretty much NFL average defenders, you'd have a decent defense. But that's not the goal here. That shouldn't be the goal here. And the one player who can make the single biggest difference in that regard, with all due respect to the acquisition of Miles Jack, who will be Bush's partner on the interior there, is Bush. Look, you can say what you want about the Steelers moving up to draft him. I mean, the capital that they got for that trade, you'll recall, came via picks that were acquired for Antonio Brown. And it's always fair to revisit whether or not the Steelers even got the right Devin. Referencing, of course, Devin White with Tampa Bay. But what's indisputable, and there's not a draft nick anywhere, that would argue against this, Bush was going to be a first-round pick of somebody. Bush was on every team's first-round draft board. He was on every expert's first-round draft board. That tells me and you and everyone else what this player's pedigree was, what his potential was. There's no way everyone could be wrong. And these are the points that need to be emphasized and re-emphasized with him, especially with him. I believe Tomlin's going to do that. I believe Tomlin's already doing that. This is a coach who is not at all timid about citing someone's draft status, for better or worse, as motivation. Does anyone remember a few years back when Bud Dupree finally started coming into his own a little bit? And I'm not talking about when he broke through and everyone was Bud and TJ and Bud and TJ and all that. I'm talking about when it was just Bud and he'd make the occasional play and get back to the quarterback and just throw him to the ground. And you'd go, whoa, Bud. After one of those games, I asked Tomlin about a play that Bud had made. And his answer to me was crazy short, but very telling where he looked at me with those wide eyes and said, that's what a first-round player is supposed to do. That's this head coach's attitude. And he'll use it in the other direction, too. You're undrafted. They didn't believe in you. You're a seventh-rounder. No one wanted you. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. 
That's got to happen with Bush, but that's got to happen, I believe, with all of us. If we get to the point where we say, well, if Bush is just okay, I mean, at least Miles Jack is there and he'll make some tackles and the defensive line should be a little bit better. Don't do it. Don't do it. This still needs to be, if not a great player, that's a tag I don't really put on a whole lot of guys, but a very, very good one in the National Football League. When we come back, just one question. for just one question and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garvin, Kelly and George, LGKG they represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need assistance with workers comp and medical malpractice claims the attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers capital S, capital L for the past 15 years and yes that is a real thing, the super lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q, it's a good one too. Comes from Anthony Girard who asks, do you see the Steelers picking up an outside defensive lineman? I don't. The Steelers always carry six D linemen on the 53-man roster and they've already got their six. The starters are going to be Cam Hayward, Tyson Alulu, and Isaiah Loudermilk with the backups being Montrevious Adams, Chris Wormley, and DeMarvin Leal. If Tuitt would have come back, they would have been carrying seven. They would have been forced to for the first time since I can remember. And if Omar Khan was to get another defensive lineman, that would have forced him to wave one of the current six to the practice squad. And I don't think they want to do that because that individual is going to get poached by another team. Anthony, there's a lot in this, and you're undoubtedly going to be right on at least some of it. However, I'm going to take a couple of issues with what you've got here laid out. The first is that Loudermilk is some kind of cinch to start. I don't buy that. Loudermilk is going to have to have himself, I believe, a breakthrough type of performance at training camp and in the preseason to establish himself as some kind of starter. Although, as you know, certainly from your level of knowledge, there's going to be a rotation with these guys regardless. My feeling is that you're going to see two defensive linemen more often than not. So let's start with that. When you do see more, I have a feeling that you'll see Tyson Alulu in more of a defensive end position. He has done that in the past. He can do anything. This is a very, very good football player. He's going to be responsible with his gaps no matter where you line him up. He's going to stop the run no matter where you put him. So my thinking is that you'll see two down linemen, but when you see three, that the third will be Montrevious Adams because he was out there, he made an impact in the middle, and that frees up Alulu to do more of the playmaking. Now, that said, I would still like to see Khan go out and get 
an impact defensive lineman. As you yourself point out, had to it not retired, the Steelers almost certainly would have gone one above their usual norm and carried seven defensive linemen in the season. So it's not, you know, unthinkable. But also, you know, you can move one of these other individuals. I don't see Chris Wormley, for example, as some kind of untouchable. And it felt like the way you posed this that you do. And I'm not sure why. Wormley had exactly two significant games in 2021. Not coincidentally, they were both against Baltimore, his old team. Not coincidentally, as I was getting at in the first segment, this came after Tomlin would spend the entire week teasing him that the Ravens not only let him go, but let him come to a team inside the division. As Tomlin would say openly to Wormley, when a team lets you go or team deals you inside the division, they're telling you what they think of you. Tomlin actually said this to him on both of those weeks. Got him super fired up, played great against the Ravens. That's fine. There are 15 other games on the schedule. And honestly, I feel like the biggest point to make here as it applies to the defensive line is that without to it, there is a very, very good chance you're going to see two down linemen more often than not. And if that happens, I'm sorry, but six is plenty. It just might not be the right six. I believe Khan needs to continue looking, beat down the bushes, find them somehow, somewhere. You got $10 million. That buys you a whole lot of D linemen. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow on the morning of Minicamp. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.